Hello, welcome to In the Kitchen with Brett Thorne, a food service industry podcast by Restaurant Hospitality. I'm your host, Senior Food and Beverage Editor Brett Thorne, introducing you to my last podcast of the year. I'm sure that many of you are glad to say goodbye to 2022. It was a tough year for the restaurant industry, and I don't need to rehash all of the challenges that I'm sure many of you faced. But hey, inflation seems to have peaked, probably. The supply chain woes have to get resolved at some point, and although we'll all likely struggle as the economy slows, at least it will be probably easier to find good workers, or any workers. What can I say? I guess I'm, I'm a glass-half-full kind of guy at the time, or at least in a glass-half-full mood. For some advice on how to hire those good people, I have as my guest today, Megan Lee. I called her Megan once or twice in our interview, and she was nice enough not to correct me. But it's Megan, and she's the owner of Heirloom, a restaurant in Lewis, Delaware, whose chef left during the height of the tourism season in 2021. Lewis is a seaside resort town, so you can imagine how hectic things get in the summer. But rather than hire a new chef, Lee tried an experiment. She made the kitchen communal, having each of the seven cooks at the time work together and run the place collectively. And guess what? It worked! Lee said much of that success has had to do with the type of people she hired. I bet you're curious to know her approach, so rather than take up any more of your time, let me wish you all very happy holidays, and then get right to it. Here is Megan Lee. Okay, so again, Megan Lee, how you doing? Good. I'm great. How are you? I, I'm great. Uh, you are the owner of Heirloom Restaurant in Lewis, Delaware, which is, you guys have kind of a... Um, unconventional model and that you don't really have a chef right correct yes so let's talk about that sure so um just to kind of backtrack i opened heirloom in 2015 so we're about to finish our seventh year and enter our eighth and i've creating heirloom and everything that it is i maintained an executive chef the entire time so last summer uh, in 2021, July of 2021, I parted ways with my executive chef who had been with me for five years. He wanted more and it, it, it was just kind of the right timing for both of us. I wasn't you know, able to give him more. With that said, it was a somewhat abrupt uh, departure. However, um, in that moment, I kind of did some quick thinking and I took the seven chefs that are in the kitchen and created a kind of communal um, group kitchen and didn't replace the executive chef role. And um, kind of with that said, I sat them all down and told them what was happening. And we kind of all collectively decided that we would run this group kitchen concept and we would see how it went. And we've been crushing it ever since. So currently I have five in the kitchen and we meet bi-weekly. We have bi-weekly meetings and 
they create the entire menu. And I'm just kind of, I'm there as like kind of a sounding board and I definitely give my input and everything like that. And we're, you know, I'll sometimes be like, you know, throwing food ideas at them as well. And it's just this kind of collaborative effort and it's working out really, really well. That's great. I got a lot in return for a big, bold decision of running this idea that I thought may or may not work. I got a lot in return. So why did you decide to take that approach? Um, it was July and we are uh, 2021, right? Correct. And we are a beach resort town oh, and no, it was quick decision making and right. it was had this group at that time not really had worked together. Like everyone had worked together for, from anywhere from two to six years. I just, I knew the idea would work because they have worked together for so long and they knew the ins and outs of personalities and levels of expertise, so to speak. Um, so it was a very kind of over the weekend, quick decision. And I kind of sat them down and I was like, I will be your leader. I'm a great leader. You know, I opened this restaurant. I know we may not know what we're doing and we may not, we might hit walls and we might, you know, have to pivot at that time. But if you guys believe in me and trust me, I will 100% have your back. And it just worked. And it was like, literally one of the best business decisions made to date. How, how come you think it works so well? I mean, especially since traditionally a kitchen is, I mean, the French founded it sort of based on a military brigade system where you have a captain. I, sh I mean, chef literally means chief, right. boss. So usually he, not always, but traditionally he is the boss. And so how... How did people adjust to that kind of shift? It was a huge adjustment. It was who has who has like a stronger voice within that group, who um, you kind of, it kind of broke everybody down to the core. Like what everybody was really good at is what everybody attached themselves to. You know, Bo is amazing at making pasta you know, Tommy is amazing at breaking down fish. Like everybody kind of took ownership of what they're really good at and kind of was like, well, I'm going to kind of take this under my wing. And I, that's like my department. And the funny thing is, is we shift positions a lot in the kitchen. Like we'll run a couple months, like, you know, um, uh, Frank, on grill. Well, now he's in the middle, you know, and Ben was on grill and now he's saute. So it's like, I never want to keep things complacent. And I think that, um, just, I don't know. I think it, it works because at that time, everybody took ownership and I think everybody invested and was like, we can prove everybody wrong. Like that this model can work and let's give it a try. I mean, it was, it was insane. I mean, we were doing insane numbers. 2021 was 
has been my busiest year to date. And it was just, you know, you just kind of like this blackout zone of summertime resort, hundreds of people, the patio, we had extra seating on the patio. It's just like this momentum. And I think when we, we shut down for a couple of weeks in January and everyone's like, Oh my God, like, how do we just do that? And then it was, it's a thrill. It's a ride. It's a circus. It's all these like things, but they, everybody balanced each other out as far as personalities. And, and if there was an issue, like we talked about it, we sat and had bi-weekly meetings. So it's, it's, we were never not on the same page and people were uh, encouraged to speak up. You know, I don't like this. I don't like this flavor. I don't like this dish, you know, we could do better. And, and I let them kind of come into their own. I mean, the, the entire kitchen at that time and even today are all in their twenties. They're in a position that they might not be in for another 20 years based on your model that you just spoke about. So it's just been this um, crazy transition, but it's been awesome to watch them like grow and educate, self-educate through cookbooks. I flew them all to Charleston uh, last fall. I'm flying them to Portland in the spring. Like we're just doing more group activities. We do like tasting menus in DC and Philly. So it's just, it's this evolving, changing, you know, and maybe down the line it, it doesn't work and we get, we get that person in, but for the time it's for the time being, it's, it's just this crazy idea that just like stuck and it worked and it's been amazing. Uh, just for the sake of clarification, are you flying to Portland, Oregon, or Portland, Maine? Because they're both interesting Maine. food cities. Maine. Oh, yeah. I'm not doing this with this crew. <laughs> well, in West Coast, I mean, I would think with Maine, you would have like kind of a similar seafood thing, but different. Which, yeah, definitely more seafood driven, and and we're in the Delmarva region, so we have the soft shells and the Maryland crab, and um, that's like the seafood will be very inspirational for them. Yeah, and I, I imagine Charleston was the same way. Charleston is, I, I mean, I've been there like a dozen times, but some of them had never left like Delaware and they were just like, holy shit, like this exists, you know, and my blown away. It was such a great trip. Never having left Delaware is impressive because it's not that big a state. <laughs> and yeah. Maryland's right there. Like, I Well, I mean, I mean that like, you know, the area, so. Okay. But, but people in their twenties, that's young. Very young. Back of the house people traditionally are not great socially. Like that's how they end up in a kitchen. So like, cause they're misfits and they belong in the back of the house. And I mean misfit obviously in a respectful way, you know, they're, they're unconventional. Yes. You know, and, and often they're a little bit addicted, addicted to adrenaline or a lot. So, right. you know, a super busy, like, resort is fun. I would I would quit. I wouldn't do it, which is why I'm a writer and not a chef. But <laughs> um, was it hard to kind of wrangle those kinds of, like, big, bright, but also weird personalities into a cohesive team? Um, so here's the thing is everybody I hire, I do it, like, kind of purposefully. So I don't just hire to fill a spot. Um, and I feel like... I am very verbal about my expectations. So 
when this transition happened and we sat down, they already knew the level, the playing field that we were at. We were a James Beard nominated restaurant in this small seaside town. And they knew I wanted to maintain that. So um, my expectation level was there. And then this happened and it just increased. And I brought that level and momentum to the transition. And, you know, I'm not saying I run this kind of, you know, military restaurant, but the goofiness of being in your twenties and not really knowing and where you want to be and what you want to do. Like I hated my twenties. I hated that like transition. I mean, I feel for them sometimes and you know, I'm 44. Like I kind of took on this kind of motherly, like in addition, you know, to having two small children, like even more like a motherly kind of role and leader and, and really truly like had their backs and maintained that level of expectation. And I think that the one they were, they knew the seriousness of it. Like this is, this is where we're at. This is what we have to do. And, you know, if you, if we want to stay course, you know, then this is it. And they, they kind of, mentally sign the agreement I guess and that's where we were at and it's worked and it's been great well it sounds like you set a high bar for them to reach correct knowing that they could reach it but challenging them to do it so that they would actually rise to the occasion yeah I actually brought in I I go to a manifesting teacher and she doesn't tell me how to manifest she just kind of guides me she kind of guides me to um, see something that's in front of me and helps me kind of make the better decisions and the right decisions. So I brought her in like right after it had happened and, you know, she sat them down and was kind of serious. Like you're in this role and you might only be 23, but you're going to probably have to act a little older. And like, what do you guys envision as a group and a team? And she really kind of like dug into them and was like, this is next level. And you need to like, kind of see that and realize that. And um, she kind of helped me help them just see, you know, this is real. This is, you know, next level. And you want to, you want to play? Like, let's play. Like, let's be the best, you know? And she was great. And a lot it it touched a lot of them like wow like what we have is we have a gift and they know you know they're great they're great chefs they're great cooks and and it was very inspiring for them it was like a very inspiring kind of little moment and kind of with that said I ended up closing we were a seven-day restaurant we just grinded seven days for the first you know six and a half years and I kind of publicly announced with his departure, um, that I would close two days. So I would close Sundays and Mondays so that the entire team was there Tuesday through Saturday. We were a hundred percent invested and, um, and everybody would get the same days off. And I, again, it, it pivoted and shifted and mental health became an issue then. And, and, it just, I don't know, everything kind of worked out really well. So 
Let, let's is it that comment you made about mental health becoming an issue? Do you mean that you were giving people two days off for their mental health or then they went crazy? Prior, it prior to that, everybody was doing five days. Sometimes people would pick up a six if they wanted extra cash, but it was just kind of like a guaranteed two days. And it was, we, you can hang out. You can, you now know, like you can hang out with your family every Sunday and Monday and it won't be an issue. And, you know, if you need something off during the week, I've, I've kind of maintained from the beginning to never say no. Like there's maybe a reunion on a Wednesday, you know, and that's okay. You can go, you know, and um, we'll figure it out. We'll work around it. So it was just like this guaranteed two days that kind of took the burden off of everybody's you know, back of just, this is great. I, I'm a five day work week. Um, and yeah, that, you know, did it take long for them to kind of rise to the occasion and fill their position? Yeah. No. Shaking your head. They did it instantly. Instantly. And you That's could see their eyes. I remember, I remember every second of that meeting, like sat them down with this big communal table in the back that we call our farm table. And I just said, this is what happened. And this is my plan. And this is how I want to move forward. And it was, it was levels of emotion in that, in that room, in that hour, it was, you know, Oh God, like what happened? You know, like, what are we going to do? Oh my God, this is amazing. Oh my God, what can we do? You know? And it was, it was this level of just building their confidence and you know you have this and I'll be your leader and I have your back and anything we encounter we're gonna get over you know and 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 then we all left and it was just like you could watch them just their brains are spinning and I was like let's meet in a couple of days we'll talk about many changes and just everything started I got everybody notebooks and it just it started the process. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, because I, I hear a lot of stories of cooks having low self-esteem because another reason they ended up in the back of the house is because they were bad at school or, or other conventional things that don't necessarily work for them is what brought them into restaurants. But it sounds like that your crew already kind of had decent heads on their shoulders. Or yeah, I and I think that's like a higher, like what I referenced earlier, it's a hiring process. It's not... It's, were you the right fit for me? Are we a good fit? Are you a good fit? You know, it's this kind of, we'll figure it out before I hire someone, you know, come in, stage a couple hours. Like, does everybody like this person? Ask them questions. What do you do on your time off? You know, are you, do you sit at home and drink, you know, or do you go out for hikes and like go to different restaurants or go swimming? You know, it was just, I think, the great what you said is they had great heads on their shoulders because it was that's how they were selected to be a part of this and I think that that is something that I have stuck to and not just filled a hole because you know we needed somebody it was more of like is this the right fit and have you had a lot of turnover in the year and change since uh no. So I did lose two people. One moved to um, New England to go to get her master's with um, 
Johnson in Wales. So she's up there. That was like a physical move. And then the other moved out West. So um, it was, it wasn't kind of like an internal thing. It was more of just like, this was kind of already on my radar and the timing of it is correct. And I was like, whatever you need, you know, if you need a recommendation or anything like that. So um, it kind of all worked out. So I do have five of the original and then probably for next spring, we are looking to add like another person. And we've talked about that process as well. Like who is this person? You know, we get to interview them. We get to, they come in, they stage, like, you know, who is this person that is going to join? It's going to be a hard process because not only it will be, it won't just be my decision. It will be the other five's decision as well. So, so let, let's talk a little bit about what heirloom restaurant is as a restaurant. I did feature one of your dishes, uh, the caraway Kitara carbonara. Yes, looks delicious. <laughs> a little bit of caraway into your pasta. Correct. Toasted caraway, grounded it up. Um, kind of folded it into the into the the dough that we make for the chitara. Um, they sous vide an egg yolk, kind of smeared it on the plate. Um, we buy our meat, so we have a charcuterie and cheese program. So all the meat, all the guanciale was house cured. Um, it's, it's a really beautiful dish, but that's already changed. We change our menu like every couple of weeks. So yeah, as it should. <laughs> So, so what is the, what is heirloom? What is the, what's the point of your restaurant? Why, why do I want to go eat there? Okay. I've always described heirloom. So heirloom existed in my head for 15, 20 years. I set the goal when I was 22. Um, so it's, it starts with, for me, it starts with like a feeling. Um, and as I sit in this restaurant, you know, and kind of with the background, it's an old house. Um, so I took a house built in 1899 and renovated it. Um, I kept the existing pine floors, the trim, the baseboards. We have like the wavy glass windows still. Um, so it's, it's this feeling. It's, you know, vintage bread and butter plates, vintage silverware, um, very clean tables, no like linen or tablecloth, um, it's kind of whimsical. There's plants, there's, you know, there's no black. It's just pops of color everywhere. So for me, it's more of like nostalgia of being at home and a feeling. And then it kind of zooms in on food, you know, and it's this house made pasta. It's meat that's been cured and braised for days, you know, and these recipes that they're creating and evolving you know, in the kitchen and as, you know, a group, um, it's cocked classic cocktails with like a twist. Um, it's organic and natural wine. Um, so it's all these kind of components in this beautiful historic building. Um, and the biggest compliment I do get is when people are sitting and they're eating and they're like, wow, like, I feel like I'm at home. And I'm just like, I did it. Like I captured the feeling, you know, and um, it's all these kind of components. It's even the name heirloom. It's passed on from generation to generation. 
you can't see it, but the uh, host stand is my grandmother's desk that I like, you know, painted and put like a little chalkboard on the front. And there's just like always this kind of like greeting when you walk in and I've never had something kind of going back to my manifesting teacher. It's something I've manifested for years and years. And it actually funneled into every vision, every feeling, every moment that I had thinking about this place into one, into a physical space, but emotionally, mentally. Um, and it's, it's just like a beautiful thing. It's, it's, it's crazy. I don't know. It's awesome. I love it. Can you talk a little bit about your concept of uh, manifesting? Yeah. Um, I kind of played sports my, I mean, I played sports my whole life and I've always been kind of goal oriented. So me setting the goal when I was 22 was kind of like, put your head down, work really hard and create this idea. Like I knew I wanted to open a restaurant and I knew I wanted to do it at the beach because I'd summered here my entire life. And I knew just kind of experience wise, I wasn't ready. So I kind of strategically made, it was like a little game of chess in my twenties and in my beginning of my thirties of just kind of, you know, seeking out restaurants or people that I knew I could learn from. And my last kind of hurrah was opening a restaurant in Philadelphia um, with Amy Olexi, who owns Tallulah's Garden, Tallulah's Table, you know, all, you know, the love, like all these restaurants. And she had partnered with the star and I knew I needed more of the financial background. So that was kind of the icing on the cake for me. And I would do extra financial meetings um, with like their whole financial crew just to like get up to speed on like making sure I could read PL reports and stuff like that. So it was just this kind of strategic game of where I was, who I was working for, what I could absorb. And I knew kind of each kind of year if, if my time was up, I kind of felt it and I would just kind of move on and find something else that could help kind of um, just kind of put the, the puzzles of the pieces together. Um, I kind of linked up with Krista like 15 years ago and she's just the person that helps me kind of navigate it. It's a really strong feeling of manifesting and creating Pinterest boards and, you know, posters and you know, your, your mind is so powerful of what you believe and what you can manifest and believe can happen. And she just has helped me over the years, like navigate that and kind of put all the pieces together. And it's, we as a group, so kind of going back right after when we had our sit down and she came in to talk, we manifested a 50 cent piece as a group. And I found mine two days later. So you think about it, you touch it, you smell it, you taste it. And we did this whole like kind of seance about a 50 cent piece. And literally two days later, I, I came across mine. She's like, I knew you were going to find yours first. You know, she's like, cause you're so good at manifesting. And then everybody started to find their 50 cent piece and it didn't happen as quickly, but it like it, in a dream, one was in a dream, one was 
physical. One was one was like a couple months later in Charleston, like, but everybody ended up finding their 50 cent piece. And it was just like a really kind of overwhelming kind of magical feeling. So the whole idea is to visualize something and then working, working to make it happen. You can't just visualize, Correct. right? You got it. Yeah. You got to do the. Well, I guess you don't have to. I don't know how you work to find a 50 cent piece. I guess you look for a lot of coins. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to look for it. It just has to show, show up. Are you allowed to go to a cash register and, and <laughs> pay for something? Say, do you have, if you have a 50 cent piece, I'll take it. No, you can't ask for it. It has wow. to just show up in your life. Yeah. And it worked. It works. That's awesome. So did you have a, uh, did you think that you were going to open Heirloom in your mid to late thirties, whenever it was? or, or um, when I was 30 so it kind of all started kind of evolving when I was 34 and I appreciate those couple years because at 30 I was not ready and then that kind of took me to Philadelphia I had literally just bought a house in Delaware like in Lewis and six months later I got a phone call and was like hey I would love for you to open this restaurant in Philly and I was like I just bought a house like how am I going to do this and I did it and you know, I knew I would have had a major missed opportunity had I not kind of shifted that. I kept the house. I rented it out, moved back in with my parents. And they're like, oh, we were so close. <laughs> I was like, I'm back. Um, and but they were like super supportive, like, OK, we get it. You know, this is just like a part of your journey. And, uh, you know, I definitely credit them 100 percent for me coming up with these crazy ideas and they're just like oh my god but um yeah so so you grew up in the philadelphia area i did outside of philadelphia it's not is it that far a drive from lewis to philly uh it's like a little it's like two hours no not that's not okay to do every day no um it's a little over two yeah that's it's like 215 I'm glad. I'm glad that you moved in with your parents, even if yeah. their goal. <laughs> and so you worked with Amy Alexi, who has also been a guest on this podcast. Oh, nice. And did did you get to go into the full financial meetings with Stephen Starr? That must be intense. So not uh, like an overall, but within our restaurant, correct? Right. Right. Um, not like his overall empire, no but I took advantage of his financial people and would take like our P&Ls and go to additional meetings just to do like more clarification or like troubleshooting or how I can work, you know, how I can better the beverage program and stuff like that. So not the empire, just the restaurant. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you had access to his smart people, which is handy. Correct. Yeah. Are you also teaching that? I mean, I guess you have to. If you have a crew of five who are running the kitchen, I'm sure you're teaching yeah, them. We we do. We talk about, they check everything in. So they're checking through invoices, checking costs. Um, there's a lot of things, you know, gone up recently, like dairy. So we're like troubleshooting who to get our dairy from, like stuff like that. Um, they cost the food out. So our entire menu is costed out. Um, and I'm teaching them like, you know, you're getting efficient. How many portions are you getting? How much waste, you know, dividing that by the total cost. So they're, they're getting it. And yes, I am including them in it. Great. So 
you probably don't know what the future holds. Oh, I don't know. You're you're a manifester. So uh, are you guys, is this going to be going on for a while, this communal? I mean, so we have about one more month. Um, I close the month of January. Um, I pay everybody regardless of their status of salary or hourly. Like everybody gets paid. Dishwashers, line cooks, bar, everybody. Um, yeah. So it's an opportunity for everyone. One, it's a way to retain staff. Um, and two, it's an opportunity for everybody to just kind of like break and reset. Um, and we go into February with this huge momentum and we're very kind of like special occasion restaurant. So Valentine's day and president's day weekend, like that, um, February is just like a very big month for us. Um, so we, we reopen with this like tremendous, um, momentum. Um, in addition, we do wine dinner series. So we'll do, um, like once a month or twice a month, we're going to do kind of a collaborative wine dinner series um, with natural and organic wines and run that kind of through the spring. But I kind of in my head, like everybody knows the routine at this point and um, kind of what we're gearing towards, you know, everyone's already brainstorming the, the reopening, like citrus will be in season, you know, and things like we can't really get right now that will be available at the end of January. And um, so it's just this kind of evolving process and I'm excited. So we've just like about five weeks left and then kind of break time. I usually take like a big project in the restaurant. I did the floors last year and we usually paint and just like kind of new decor and stuff like that. But, uh, just giving everybody the opportunity to kind of reset. How nice of you. I know. <laughs> and that I get to go away and I don't well, have yeah, to yeah, in not... the back of my head worry about the restaurant because yeah, it's, it's I'm not just... always here 24-7 but when we're closed I'm actually shut off it's like the only time my brain shuts off yeah it's not just out of the goodness of your heart yeah I mean it's yeah <laughs> you have a good heart whatever it's nice but <laughs> it also makes sense as you said to retain people to keep them sane to just yeah so how does how does beverage work into all of this? Is is the beverage director also part of this communal group, or, or is that a separate thing? You are the beverage director, okay? Yeah. Oh yes, you're part of this communal group. Yeah, um, yes. So kind of like the food menu, we I try to keep everything like a classic cocktail, and then we just kind of like add our twist regarding liquor, um, add like a twist to it. Um, so like cranberries are in season right now. We're like about to get into like kind of blood oranges, like fall spices. Like we're doing, um, um, a Pisco punch with cloves. So it kind of evolves and change. And we try to kind of piggyback off the food menu too. Like we have an abundance of cranberries in here. Okay, great. Let's incorporate it into a cocktail as well. Um, beer is kind of the same way. I'm not super into beer, but, um, we have, I use a lot of kind of like East coast beer. I use a rep that reps a ton of East coast beers. Um, and then I have a natural wine guy that has kind of blown it out of the park. I've kind of have flipped my entire menu. Um, my whole by the glass is natural and organic. 
it just it it's the same message as the menu and kind of like what we do here so everything kind of collaborates and merges together beverage and food makes sense yeah well megan lee what a pleasure to meet you and hang out for a little while uh we're about out of time so i want to thank you for taking the time to talk with me tell me about what you guys are doing at heirloom in lewis i appreciate it